important on this journey to keep highlighting those who are uh, doing right by their maker, uh, trying to stay on the righteous path and communicating through music. And uh, I got hit up by this cat the other day. He's got a new record that's coming out with some heady cats. Billy Braytech, welcome to the Jake Beinberg Show. Thank you so much for having me, Jake. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to have you, brother. Um, I just, I kind of wanted you to talk to the audience about like the New York touring circuit, the upstate New York touring circuit. How healthy is it? And uh, I mean, what has been a, um, is it a sustainable operation? Um, well, in regards to that, um, I definitely say there is a beautiful scene um, of music from Buffalo to Rochester to Syracuse and beyond. Um, and myself personally, I really haven't drifted far from uh, the Buffalo coast over here on Lake Erie. Um, I did. I've, I did. Yeah, I've gone to uh, like Rochester, Pennsylvania, Michigan, stuff like that. But look, we pretty much stayed around the area. I've only actually been playing for um, a few years now. Uh, I think it's about to be like seven or eight years and gigging for about five but um, from what I've seen, it it's beautiful, um, and it's a very welcoming environment, and there's a lot of musicians out here that are just open to playing with one another. You know, I wonder about the idea of, like, I just wanted you to talk about how much the sustainability, to me, the artist has to wear too many hats today. You know, I don't care what age you are. It's like, you know, and, and so much of this is about, being able to sing for your supper and make a living doing it. And uh, I just know that you go back and interview cats, heavy, heavy cats. And like, they, there was like a big touring circuit, just Oneonta, uh, you know, Geneva, uh, Rochester, Binghamton, like not that you per se do it, but are there cats that are sort of like able to sustain their musical careers on the road in upstate New York? Oh, absolutely. Um, actually, one of the um, people on my album, uh, Mr. Alex Cote, um, seems to make... What a fucking great cat, man. Oh, oh, don't even get me started on Alex, one of my favorite drummers. <laughs> um, but uh, he seems to be doing really well with um, playing with a couple different acts and then um, doing the teaching and stuff like that. So, and then uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a cat named Mike Ganser. No. Uh, he's um, a guitarist based out of Buffalo. He plays with a band called Aqueous. Highly re recommend checking them out. Uh, I will, man. Thank you. Yeah, and um, my other buddy, uh, Marco Sigur, I'm gonna, he's gonna probably bust on me for saying his name wrong, but uh, Sig Siri Gelano, um, he's a really talented kid. He plays with the Pickle Mafia, but uh, he bounces around constantly, constantly between Binghamton, Rochester, Geneva, Buffalo. You know, and, yeah, so he's always on the move and on the groove, um, and definitely is able to earn uh, his supper and pay his rent. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, let me ask you though, uh, why were you? What put you on a course of music? Um. Oh man! In all honesty, uh, going back to the uh, the high school days here, uh, my sophomore year got broken up with, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna start playing guitar. And uh, before I knew it, uh, I was listening to the Grateful Dead and diving into Hendrix and Led Zeppelin and all that good stuff. And here I am now. But I mean, you you only started a few years ago. So how have you gone about um, teaching yourself, especially as it relates to like maybe specifically like um you know going on youtube and learning certain licks or certain um tunings or have you partaken in the academy um actually it's funny that you mentioned the academy um, i'm actually going to be attending college for the first time uh this upcoming september
but up until this point, I have um, pretty much been self-taught, and I went the YouTube route, and I have uh, two teachers to thank, which is a, one, the first one's Mike Ganser, I brought up originally, and um, a friend of mine, Justin Raycamp, who plays in a band called Mungin from Chicago, oh. um, and they both really got me on my feet. Uh, I always say that Mike got me to walk, and Justin got me to run. Um, and then along with that, a lot of ear training, a lot of ear training, and just sitting down and kind of taking... Um, uh, a page out of the rule book from the greats, which is just sitting down and playing records over and over and over again until you can finally nail the lick. You know what I mean? And it just really helps with your musicality and your ear. What do you, what was it? What did uh, the first cat do to make you walk? Um, I actually, he asked me to learn the first or the, um, the solo from time by Pink Floyd. Oh, wow. And that was my first introduction to what phrasing was and how important it is to um, a guitar player. How did you go about, I mean, did you basically just try to learn it by ear or like what, explain, I guess, why that was a uh, a challenging uh, or something that allowed you to sort of, you know, it took me 18 months to walk. Like my parents thought I was never going to walk. Mm-hmm. One day I just stood up and went. But, yeah. You yeah. know, like, like, like that's that walking is hard, man. Like, so beyond like learning what phrasing was like, did he tell you what you didn't? what you needed to hear as opposed to what you wanted to hear sometimes. Absolutely. Um, and I think I'm, he's, he's never uh, hit me with any BS. If I'm being completely honest with you, I'm very thankful for um, both of my teachers for always being completely honest with me on what I need to work on. Um, and that was probably one of the things was my phrasing. Um, because if you look at David Gilmore and how he's so vocal with his playing and his phrasing, um, it really humbled me really quick being like a new kid on the block a year into playing guitar being like, Oh, okay, I can do this. Um, and yeah, it just really helped me show show me the ropes and get an understanding of what a solo is, how to make people feel something when you're actually playing music instead of kind of just banging people over the head with a whole bunch of notes. That's you know? right. That's a very interesting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so is there a muse to that? Like, how, how, I mean, because that you can't really teach that. No. Um. So in my honest opinion, I feel... I feel like you can take a lot from the people of the past, like let's say like Hendrix or David Gilmore or whoever, uh, Jimmy Herring, Colonel Bruce Hampton, Trey Anastasio, Jerry Garcia. Sure. Um, you could really take a lot from them. And that's something that I tried to do because um, early on I had the thought, uh, which was, I mean, if you want to become great, you should check out the greats, you know what I mean? And see what their mindset was and what they were thinking <laughs> when they were playing, you know what I mean? A little, little cheat code, you know what I mean? No, you want to, you got to know what bar to clear, you know, I mean, how to, what bar to get up to, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and then the cat who helped you run, what was the next step for, for you in, uh, for Braytech in that evolution? Um, I definitely say, uh, jazz. Um, I'm still studying jazz and I'm actually going to be going to school for jazz here shortly, but, um, yeah, I want uh, I want, I want to be clear. Like I, 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 this is fascinating that you are going into the academy now. I think it'll probably um, these years of self-teaching will will be of amazing benefit to you. And my only advice at some point, or maybe you know, take what you can learn from the academy, but do not buy into the dogma. Oh, absolutely not. Yes, I completely agree with you. You know what I'm saying? And I don't even listen. I'm not a musician, but I just know like you've had some you've had some experiences already and 
you need to take that independence into a conform. I just don't think you can learn a, a language of jazz. It's just, to me, I go back to this idea of venues, like the ability to play. Like right. that's to me the crisis. Like for, for Braytech, like you, I mean, I it's it's still stunning to me when I talk, you know, whether it's John Abercrombie or I don't, I mean, Vinnie Caliuta, I mean, all these cats that I've talked to, I mean, they never, they left Berkeley early. Yeah. There was so much work on the road. And I'm right. not, I mean, the road can eat you alive too, but the point is that that's how you found your, your own voice. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? How do you, what are you planning to, or what are your thoughts about continuing to find your own voice uh, going into the Academy? You think you, it'll be an opportunity to meet more cats? I'm hoping so. Um, I'm actually attending uh, or planning to attend the University of Fredonia. So it's only a stone's throw here from my house, actually. Wow. Um, not, not too far from Buffalo. Um, but I'm definitely hoping for that. It's it's a little bit different because it's not like Berkeley, where they have a little bit more openness to non-traditional music. And it's more centered around classical guitar and uh, jazz guitar. You know sure. what I'm saying? So it's going to be a... It's going to be interesting. I'm really hoping to come across some people that have a similar mindset. And I feel like that's part of the reason why a lot of musicians end up deciding to finally go to school, you know, but uh, a really good friend of mine not too long ago, who's a few years ahead of me here, um, told me he was like, you're lucky if you make it through the first two years of college before somebody is knocking at your door, giving you an opportunity, you know? Mm. Wow. What, what would be like, um, at this point, like if somebody came to you, what would be your dream live touring scenario? I mean, I can't guarantee that, you know, all the accommodations would be great, but like, you know, you'd have that stuff would be taken care of, but look, what kind of music, if you had your way right now, would you want to be on the road playing? Oh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm simple. Uh, I just like, uh, I, I take a van and a couple of my really good friends and just play some jam band music. Yeah. And right. I'd be, I'd, I'd be very happy. You know what I mean? But I mean, you you like a trio kind of format, or or do you see like a like in theory like or a, a larger group? I'm probably uh, no more than five. I'd say a five piece because that's what I play in with right now. Um, in both of the bands. What it, it, so explain the method about like the album comes out or the album has it come out yet? No, um, I'm still working on it currently. I have I'm going to be releasing another single on the 29th of January. And then hopefully putting the rest of it out by uh, April. Do you feel like the, I mean, how did you come up? Did this, did the songs reflect this period or these, this, this part of your life? Yeah. In all honesty, uh, the way that I look at all of these songs is a snapshot of where I was at musically, emotionally, and like mentally during a certain part. I mean, that was, I think Alkaline was actually recorded in 2022 the winter of 2022 going into the spring of 2022 so i mean can you talk about the did a lot of these messages come from this time of covid what was that like for you as a musician um it it was definitely peculiar uh but i will say it was honestly beautiful at the same time i don't think a lot of people can say that i mean i hope some most people can but it was very nice to actually have time to like sit down and spend time with my instrument without any inconveniences or uh, work or anything like that. You know what I mean? Um, 
and I, I, I grew a lot as a musician and I, I got to spend a lot of time with my family. So it was a nice period of reflection and catching up. Um, I actually lost my father in 2019. So I had a little bit of time to like step back and like process what we were going through as a family. And it, I really tried to put most of that into my music, you know. Did you have um, a good relationship with your father? Yeah, absolutely. I love my dad immensely. So you had a uh, you had good closure with him. Yeah, absolutely. And I was there through all of it. So I wouldn't. I no, wouldn't I mean, as long. Yeah, no, that's I always just I'm, I'm, I don't know. Like, do you feel like I mean, just sort of that Grateful Dead aesthetic is that I mean, they, they from 1980 to 1987, they didn't go in the studio. But a lot mm-hmm. of the, a lot of the tunes that they played on in the dark, um, they had road tested those for five years. Right. And, you know, you know, part of it was getting those five personalities in a, in a room at the same time. But <clears throat> I just I asked you about. Um, you know, the idea of road testing songs so that they, they take on a life of their own before you record it. Yeah. See, now that was actually the complete opposite of what I did. I actually exactly. did. No, I, I want you to yeah. talk about what you did, but I also feel like that's something you wouldn't necessarily be opposed to, you know, if you yeah, had the absolutely. opportunity to road, to road test those songs. Oh, most definitely. And um, with our original group, Moffrey, I, we actually I do that quite a bit. Um, there's a couple of tunes that I've, I've written over the past few years that didn't make it out of the solo EP and that have been pretty much like given to my original band. Um, and with these, it was more of like they would they would come at certain moments um, like Alkaline. All of a sudden we were actually uh, my uh, we I lost a family pet and we were actually spreading the ashes and we were on the beach. And all of a sudden this, the progression came to me and it was wow. honestly peculiar in how everything kind of fell fell into place. Uh, and then with a couple of the other tunes were kind of like, all right, I was sitting in the garage and all of a sudden this finger picking tune just came to me in the matter of 15 minutes. And then I have another tune that took me a couple days to write and then I have another tune that's still in still in the works, you know. So that's a pretty you're one of those you've learned that the information will come through you um when you're most vulnerable. I mean you're not you're not really sitting around like trying to write music. When you get a theme, you know, cosmically, that's when it 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 starts to evolve. Yes. Yes, most definitely. Is that see? I think that that might be the. What about instrumental music? Have you written? Do you have a lot of instrumental tunes as well? Um, actually, the next tune that I'm putting out is an instrumental. Um, and it actually feature, features Kurt Johnson from uh, Michaela Davis and Southern Star. What is he playing on that? Pedal steel. Yeah, and I've seen him play guitar too. I, uh, I, you know, I, I. Uh, so, how did you connect with, um? with that group of cats, you know, uh, you know, I noticed that Michaela was on your album. Mm-hmm. Um, so originally, uh, I wrote, I, I was kind of kicking around the idea of like having a solo EP cause I was kind of starting to accumulate some tunes and I actually messaged Alex on a whim. I think I saw them for the first time. I think it was the summer of 2021 at, uh, the blue heron campgrounds. They just played like a two hour set, I believe. and I messaged Alex on a woman I was like hey dude is there any chance like you do like session work or would be interested in like helping me out with like this EP that I'm working on he was like yeah absolutely so all of a sudden it like kind of kick-started me and I was like okay like like, I can like kind of bring this into like 
reality here. It's not just a thought or just like a song in the air kind of thing. You know what I mean? Kind of reached out and grabbed it. Um, And then with Michaela, she made a post. I think it was in, it had to be 2021. Once again, the winter of 2021 going into 2022. And she was like, hey, I'm doing session work. If anybody's interested, feel free to shoot me a message. And I did just that. And she ended up responding and was uh, down to work on the tune with me. Um, And uh, Alex recorded remotely. And Michaela recorded remotely. And then my buddy Kenny or my buddy Kenny came over and uh, we recorded the pedal steel in the garage. I just set up an SM57 with my laptop and let it rock. And it turned out pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, and then my buddy uh, Pablo stopped by. We recorded the bass guitar. And then uh, I handed the track off to my friend in Niagara Falls, Zach Tilton. And uh, he just kind of sprinkled his uh, magic on there and made everything come together. See, that's the hardest part. Like uh, the 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 sound mixer because um you know in a different time all of you would be hitting in the room at the same time you know it's like sort of like put together as a puzzle so that in order for it to feel good i mean do you do you feel like um you know that there's still a warmth to the recording it hasn't it's not out there yet is it no of course not Oh, the instrumental tune? Yeah, the instrumental. Yeah, it's not it's not released for public yet. Yes. Um, in all honesty, I think that's probably my favorite song off the upcoming EP. Uh, and I think it's just because it's so. Uh, I, I can't even put it into words. Kurt, I, I talked to Kurt on the phone for probably about half an hour and kind of gave him an idea of what I was looking for. And Kurt's just an amazing musician and speaks the same language perfectly. And he just, he really just hit the nail on the head in every, every area that he could have. And uh, when it came together, finally, and we actually sat down with the mix, I, I couldn't have been more happy with it. So beautiful here talking to young cat here. I mean, what, what, what is your, where do you feel like you need to, um, how how good are you it's just staying in the moment i mean to me like i remember uh, reggie workman said uh you know he said jazz is a matter of life and death you know that's kind of the way you have to approach that that's the spiritualism of that music and that requires like staying in the moment um and especially in the live context where do you feel like you need to grow the most um as a you know as a person or a player um I definitely have to say, uh, in regards to the jazz, uh, listening, listening is probably one of the biggest things. And some of my favorite moments aren't when I'm playing like a rip and solo and do, playing a whole bunch of notes and all that. They, it's actually the moments when everybody's in sync and having an equal conversation. Oh. Um, and that's something that I, I continue to work on and I'll probably be working on until I'm, I'm long gone. You know what I mean? And, uh, also just having good vocabulary, good vocabulary, having good topics to talk about you know what i mean good questions to ask good responses yeah right and, and then uh and then just just tech music or guitar player stuff you know i could sit here all day and nitpick my playing but um i'm just looking forward to becoming more elegant and more um well spoken with my instrument um can you talk about deep listening like especially the opportunities you've had to play uh jazz live uh and like what are you what are you trying to lock into in order to create that sort of collective sheet of sound um yeah uh with in regards to jazz i actually have not 
maybe some fusion, if you will. I don't even know if I could say that. Uh, I do. I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's all music. I, I yeah. I'm like, but that, that kind of vibe where it's like you have, it's not just listening. It's like deep listening. Yeah. I mean, even like this, this is like, what was I calling it? Uh, conversation improvisation. Exactly. Uh, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and when uh, yeah. with the jam band stuff, I mean, it's, it's really just that. I mean, like you could have a couple guys together that you've never played with before. And all of a sudden, like you're all listening to each other and seeing what each other's doing and listening to where everybody wants to go. It really makes it such a more enjoyable experience. And me personally, like I said, uh, those moments where everybody's in sync and we're all on the same, we're all in the same boat. We know where we're going and we're all trying to build together. It, it just works so much better. What kind of context? Like you've been playing, like when you say jam music, is it original jam music or are you just playing? Yes. Yeah, so, so, so like we do, I do, um, I play in a Grateful Dead cover band out of Buffalo called Scarlet Begonias. And then, uh, we have an original project called Moffrey, which is all original music. We do How do you spell that? Records. How do you spell that? Which one? Moffrey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, M A U, yeah, F R E Y. What does that What does that mean? A confused jumble or medley of things. <laughs> Try to be universal, you know. Oh man, that is so. Like, talk about that band. That's sick. So you play all original tunes, um, and what is the sort of the aesthetic of the band? I hate using labels. Oh no, you're good. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all come from different backgrounds of music, but we're all based around like fish, the Grateful Dead, um, all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, that's where we all really like bonded when we first met. We're like, oh, okay, you like fish, then you know, you know about Game Hedge, like we're cool, you know what I mean? And um with the songs that we play, I mean, they all come from different things, like uh uh Sam, the other guitarist and vocalist, he has uh, a very dynamic style and he's great with just these melodic chord progressions and wonderful vocals and coming up with harmony ideas um and then evan's got like these like he's our bassist and he's got like these really fast funk tunes and then tristan has like these like neo soul vibes and like gospel <laughs> chops and then like i come in with like the herring background and like the like the fish and like chuck mangione and like Django reinhardt kind oh, of thing you know what i mean chuck so, like, mangione, man. oh man so good but we all try to like bring oh, different areas of our playing in or different areas of our taste of music into the playing. And it's, it's a really cool medley of tunes, you know, that come from it. Who are some of the, like, uh, uh, some of your, the people that you really, uh, I was listening to, um, way out West, which is, uh, Sonny Rollins, Ray Brown and Shelly Mann. It's the sickest trio album ever. Okay, and, we're gonna have to uh, check that out. Yeah, you got you know, way out west. I think it's '64, and they they kind of broke new ground. But who are some of your? Um, where does the beat fall for you? And what I mean by that is, uh, <clears throat> there was a great guitar player, rest in peace, Jack Wilkins, out of New York, and he, great straight ahead, fiery player, um, and um, he's like, you know. McLaughlin and Demiola, he's like, they have impeccable time, but the beat falls in the weirdest places. He's like, I've transcribed their solos and their time is impeccable, but the beat just falls in the weirdest place. Do you feel like where where are you at in terms of being in, maybe laying back or on top? Or how do you feel about where where the beat is in your in your soul? In in my soul personally, I feel like it's all over the place. Um <laughs> yeah. especially um kind of jumping back and forth between genres like i've noticed a lot um 
it's funny that you bring this up because I've actually like in the past year, I've really dove into actually learning how to read drum charts, um, like, applying it to the guitar. And uh, one of the conversations I was having with my teacher uh, getting prepared for my jazz audition here is talking about like cats like Schofield and like Matheny and like Coltrane and like all of the greats. And like even uh, I was uh, I just transcribed a Dexter Gordon solo from Blue Bossa and to see where all how they pick up notes and they start end phrases in certain places. It's odd. And then even like Garcia and stuff. I mean, Garcia, Garcia was always swinging, man. Like that's what I've uh, really started. He was just swinging like so hard, man. I mean, when I interviewed weird, he said that, uh, I said that was so exuberant and I was telling him it just swung so hard. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's rock and roll Dixieland. That's what he called. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like, it was, it was a, and Croix, that's what I want to ask you at because I have to be honest. I mean, I I've seen Fish a few times. Obviously, it was my generation. Like they were everywhere. Providence. I mean, I was a, a BU, but like, in, I respect them greatly. But I don't know. I'm not in that world. Whereas with the Dead, all I listen to, you know, with my two daughters, is early '80s live Grateful Dead going off the rails. It's yeah. the greatest thing in the world. So. Fishman versus Kreutzman. What is there's a swinging effort that I don't hear, and me, you know, I don't want to be overly simplistic. And maybe the pianist is more of a have a classical bend. And I'm not saying they can't get funky and stuff, but you know, what was it about Kreutzman that that made that swing so hard? Oh man, I mean, I think that goes back to like '65, '66, uh, when they yeah. were really just all like right. going going into like the blues vibe, you know, because all that that shuffle and like the one thing that I've noticed um in regards to like actually like counting swing and like feeling a jazz beat because it's tough to like actually like put it down on a piece of paper and be like this is what you play over a swing tune like if you really have to feel it um and it's a lot of like laying behind the beat and going you're not on you're not always on the one you're either on the two and the four or you're behind the one you know it's (laughs) it's odd um i love it dude that's jazz man yeah seriously but uh yeah i'd say like from what i've noticed uh from like 70 71 to like 73 like after europe 72 it seemed like they started like taking that it might have even been before that if i'm being ignorant here but they started really taking that and applying it to tunes that weren't weren't swung you know what i mean swinging on unswung tunes you know what i mean that's a very that's exactly what what examples what what kind of tune you mean their own tunes yeah so like even like like something like althea or like peggy o or um like, oh yeah you know what i mean and like th- th- when you ah. listen to garcia starting his phrases he's not i mean sometimes he'll start on the one if the downbeats on the one obviously but you'll notice him like it, it sounds like he's talking to you it's like the bb king effect he's speaking through his music and that uh i think it was i don't know if it was rock rockoplast but there's a really amazing solo from like i think it was like 80 86 what what, what like from, from what from rock palace yeah where um dude, i had wait oh the 81 dude yeah that's what i'm talking wait, wait, about hold yeah. on wait well what i are you kidding me what solo is this because i've watched that millions of times what solo peggy o the peggy o solo on that and oh. if you listen to it he really instead of playing on the, he's actually like emphasizing the two and the four and like all the ands and it just instead of like there's following the changes and then there's playing with the changes and like garcia was just an absolute master at that well, I think you, I think they were they as a band they were much closer to the original blues masters and that music than Fish ever was, you know. And like that to me is like 
not that I'm comparing their music. Yeah, but, apples and oranges. Yeah, for yeah, sure. no, totally, totally. You know, it's like it's sort of the. Um, but uh, um, I don't. You know, I want I, this is what I want you to to for your own from your own personal point of view. Like, I know you just did it, but what is the point of uh, breaking down a, a transcribing a Dexter Gordon solo, which most likely was made up off the top of his head, which is yeah. like. You know, so I'm trying to figure out, like, for you, are you, it's just sort of information for you next time you're in the middle of an improvisational moment and maybe you can break out some of that vocabulary. Is that? That's, you just hit the nail on the head exactly. And taking that, and instead of just playing it in jazz context, adding it to, like, a rock context or a funk sick. context so or a folk sick. context. So sick. You know, and there's quite a, there's a handful of cats that I've noticed do that over the past few years, and they're some of my favorite musicians. Talk a little bit about um, what you, I mean, is there like, it's funny because, you know, like with the Beach Boys, uh, Brian Wilson, uh, I mean, Hal Blaine was always the studio drummer on those tunes. And I guess Wilson went out and did some live touring, but, you know, it's always, it's, you know, you're not gonna be able to put those cats that played on your record together uh, in a unit, I would think. I mean, I mean do, right. do, you, do you plan on like, I mean, it's so we're so saturated with information. There's, you know, it's. Um, would you like to play some gigs with people um, when this when when the album comes to fruition? Yeah. Um. My whole my whole take on that is like obviously I know like all the people that have played on the album are busy. Uh, my buddy Pablo moved to Nashville. Um. Alex, Michaela, and Kurt obviously have a lot going on and doing some wonderful things. Um. So. To me, it's just like I'm just really happy to have like had the opportunity to even like have them like not in the physical form, but like the audio form, um, participate in it. And no, it is awesome. And if I have the opportunity to, to like actually play these tunes, I'm assuming I'll play them with my original band. I mean, it's it's kind of tough to find a really talented harp player and vocalist. Um, but I might be able to get away with the pedal steel and another really great drummer. You know what I mean? But absolutely, those are, those are just like two big shoes to fill. You know what I mean? three actually with throwing curtain there you know did Michaela play on one tune or, or multiple tunes yeah just one tune um the only person out of that group to play on all the tunes was Alex and he actually played all of the um the drum parts right so you don't have you don't have harp on a most you only have it on one tune so you're you could uh um you know but I mean again it's to me like do you feel like um uh, with cats that you at least talk to there's a opportunity for you to <clears throat> um potentially tour while you're in school if the opportunity came about um we've actually talked about it with the original group and uh we're gonna try to make some strides this summer to like kind of like hustle and bustle on down to new york city and new hampshire and kind of do like the uh the triangle the bermuda triangle up here i um, would totally you're talking about your original band yeah yeah absolutely yeah. So um, in regards to school, it kind of all depends on where everything falls. The whole reason why I'm doing the school thing, um, aside from obviously gaining more information, hoping to meet some really awesome people, is to uh, kind of have a backup plan. So if all of us fails, at least like I can still teach music and inspire people and hopefully do the same thing that was done has done been done for me over the past few years, you know, and have financial stability on top of it, you know. Absolutely. Billy Braytech, man, I look forward to keeping track of your 
um, of your travels and your success, man. I, I it is so cathartic to be able to talk to you know, essentially my daughter, my older daughter is a senior in high school. So it's just, you know, to like uh, be able to connect with younger cats and to see that, um, you know, you know, you've already had quite a bit of live music experience under your belt. Um, you know, like I said, um, sometimes an opportunity presents itself and you might have to do the illogical thing. I mean, everybody right. might be saying, what are you crazy? What do you, you know, but, but if, if it feels like intuitively that it's the right thing to do, I'd say that like, that might be the, if that comes your way, you know, be hip to that. And, and if it feels right, you know, take that opportunity because, uh, you know, it's a, if you can get, I mean, it's not easy, but nobody's really doing people that are playing music, the kind of music we love. Nobody's really doing it uh, for fame and fortune. It's uh, it's about striving for excellence and, and having a ball. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for being part of the program, man. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, it was an honor to talk to you, Jake. Yeah, dude, keep me in the loop and I'll uh, send me a pic for the, uh, for the web post, but man, it's, it's great to connect, bro. All right. Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me, Jake. It was wonderful talking to you and I'm hoping to talk to you again soon. Peace out, bro. All right. Be easy. Yeah. Later.